Good morning. Well, last Sunday was um, All Saints Sunday, and we looked at where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, and and what John is saying there, that's a turning point for John's gospel, a a key event. And so this week, I just want to pick up uh, where we left off last week to read a few verses and, and think about what was what was happened next. So after Jesus performs this miracle, and it was to increase their faith and to strengthen their faith, this is what happens. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. What he did was he raised Lazarus. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So that the chief priest and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, What are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, nor that the whole, not that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this for his, on his own accord. But being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation and not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. Jesus, therefore, no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there to the region near the wilderness, to a town called Ephraim, and there he stayed with the disciples." Let us pray. Lord, as always, we praise you and thank you for the gift of your word and just ask that you be among us and pray that all that is said and shared be for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, here, uh, as, we, as we said, this is, Jesus has just healed Lazarus. And he, he waited to go back and, until Lazarus was dead to give strengthen the faith of his friends. We looked at that last week and what had happened. And then he spoke Lazarus by name as the good shepherd and called him forward. And then he tells them, those who have gathered there, to unwrap the bindings, what, what was bound his feet and his, his arms. This idea that as the good shepherd calls us by name and he's the one that brings us out but then gives us a part. We play a part in helping set others free. It's a powerful moment. It's a turning point, as I said, in John's gospel. But then here we, this week, see what happens. And it says some of the Jews. If you remember, uh, Martha kind of goes and whispers to Mary. Mary's in grief that her brother's dead. And she kind of goes and whispers. And, but Mary makes a big scene and comes out. And there's a bunch of, of Jews that come out with her. It says some of those who were with Mary... Believe in him. Their faith is strengthened. You know, that's the goal of the entire gospel of John, is that people will believe and have their faith strengthened and begin to trust and have faith in Jesus. And as we said, their faith 
would, would trump their courage or their, their sacrifice. Or, faith would be strengthened above anything, even when they don't understand. The goal is to have faith strengthened. And you see that some of these that are there, they have this faith. They begin to believe. And, but then what happens as well? Some of them go and tell the religious leaders. And the religious leaders then meet with the council, the Sanhedrin, and begin to discuss it. And they decide they need to do something. And what they say is, you know, we need to eliminate Jesus. If he keeps going, all the people are going to believe in him, and then Rome is going to come and persecute us, and then we're going to lose our, our status, and we're going to lose our nation. Now, I want to pause there because, you know, we've seen that and talked that before. And I, I've mentioned many times that, you know, Jesus even promises, if you follow me and if you, you know, in the Beatitudes in Matthew's Gospel, the, the final Beatitude is that when you're persecuted, that if you follow, you're going to be rejected and persecuted. There's going to be opposition. And we've put that in terms of, yep, the, you know, when the fire of God's presence, that's one of the ways I talk about it, it begins to, to work and work in the world or work in an individual and fires an image of God's presence. It either attracts people or people want to put it out. It's the two responses. Now, all of that's true. That people will oppose and reject what God is doing so often. But before we kind of demonize these religious leaders, before we look so harsh at what, they, what they're doing... Kind of where I feel led this morning and convicted of is thinking about our own lives, our own reluctance to respond sometimes. Sometimes we even see you know, the miraculous or something amazing happen and, and it can bring belief in some and skepticism and disbelief in others. And sometimes we, we don't want to, to step out and to follow and if you peel away the layers, often it's a very similar reason to these religious leaders and the argument they, they give. Don't want to lose comfort or status or what has become uh, comfortable uh, culturally. Might lose the nation. We might lose more than we're willing to give up. And so... Maybe there's a point where, wait, we just need to put on the brakes and, and stop. It's an interesting thing. I think about the church as a whole, as an institution, which, which I love, but there are things that we do, uh, things that have come to define what it is to be the church, or to be part of the church, that are, that are things or events that happen that are very traditional and just expected to be part of the church, and some of those Jesus never, ever mentions or ever tells us to do. When there's other things that Jesus fairly clearly says to do that we're a little reluctant to do. And if you look at it, so often it is simply because we don't want to lose what's become comfortable. And it may cost us more than we're willing to give up. 
even in our own lives, there's, there's moments that, you know, maybe God works, maybe you experience Jesus in a profound way through a Bible study or through, you know, a worship experience or a retreat weekend and get all excited. There's moments I've gone to events or gone to uh, all kinds of things and, and you get excited and get a vision, an idea of what God may want to do and the possibilities and where you can step out and, you know, then what happens when Monday morning hits or you got the work week and you got the kids and things going on and so much. Sometimes that stuff, that, that excitement for what Jesus might want to do and could be possible gets put on the back burner. We don't really step out like we thought we would. It's often because we just fall back into what is comfortable, what is expected, what is contributing to status or culturally. And what I was thinking this morning is how we can be similar to these religious leaders and pushing back against what Jesus may be inviting us to. But then we don't read what, what happens next. Then one of the one of these members of the Sanhedrin, who is Caiaphas, who happens to be the, the high priest that year, gets up and says, well, y'all don't understand. I mean, it's illogical here. It would be better for one person to suffer, one person to die, instead of losing the whole nation. I mean, that just makes logical sense. That's the thing he's arguing. He's actually making an argument for the fact that they should kill Jesus. Because it would be better to lose one and save the many. And then the writer of John's Gospel kind of just adds a little bit and shares with you what's going on and says, you know, Caiaphas isn't just saying this because it makes logical sense in the moment. He's, there's more going on. He's the high priest. And he is prophesying the truth of the Gospel even though he doesn't realize he is. Sometimes you see that in Scripture, see that all over the place of people saying stuff that is very true. They don't even realize the depth of the truth that's being spoken. But here he is speaking the gospel. And the writer of John's gospel says, yeah, he's going to die, and one is going to die, not just for the nation, but is going to die for all and to draw all children of God together. And that is the major shift. That all up to this point, Jesus has been talking about being the one and the Messiah and the one who can give living water and the one who is the light and the life and the one who is the manna, the one who can provide. And even up to the point we read last week, he says, I am the resurrection and I am the life. All of these I am statements, all of these sign acts to this final amazing sign acts of calling Lazarus out of the tomb. And people are still reluctant. And they're reluctant for some of the same reasons that we are reluctant today. And so this this statement by Caiaphas where he clearly states the gospel. One will die to save many. 
The one just happens to be God. God with the communication and the motive and the mind of God. That's what is said at the beginning of John's gospel becomes flesh, tangible and real. If you want to know the truth about God, just look to Jesus. And all through the, the gospel, Jesus has been trying to tell the truth. Truth is a major theme, even to where Jesus says he is the truth. And telling about the life and the love and the presence and the gift and all that God wants people to know. It's been said about Jesus, the truth, that he's the Lamb of God, that he is the one who will take away sin, the one who will provide so much, bring salvation and wholeness. And, and in this statement of the gospel, where it's stated clearly, one will die, it is better for one to die so that many can be saved, is the shift point. It says after that they began to plan and plot how to kill him. And then it says Jesus no longer walked openly in public anymore. He went to the wilderness. And the next thing that happens is he gets anointed by Mary. And then everything shifts, shifts to focus on the cross and the crucifixion. It's almost like Jesus has been trying to explain the truth and explain what it means and, and all these signs and statements and proof to increase the faith that people will trust. And this statement of the gospel by Caiaphas marks the moment that his time has come. It's the moment for Jesus to not just try to teach people what the truth is. Not try to just teach them and show signs of what God's mind and heart and will and motives are. But it's time for Jesus to become the truth. The truth of the gospel. It's where Jesus then becomes the Lamb of God. The Passover Lamb. Jesus becomes the way to the living water and the life, resurrection. That it's following this moment as you move towards the crucifixion. That the one who was living water, who in chapter 4 gave the water that we would thirst no more to the woman at the well. And eventually hangs naked on a cross, and his last words in John's gospel are, I thirst. And once he's offered something, then it's he's finished and he gives his spirit. That the one who provided everything loses everything and thirsts on our behalf. ends up giving his life for the people who are crucifying him. 
for those moments of reluctance, those moments that we doubt, for those moments that we want to stay in charge because it's just more comfortable and seems easier, that seem like freedom. That's one of the truths of Scripture. What, what looks like freedom to the world, to be able to do what you want to do, to be in charge of your own life, to stay, is actually bondage to sin. And what looks like bondage, surrendering yourself to Jesus as Lord. We've looked at the last few weeks. That's what allows us to be vulnerable before God and brings real freedom. But it looks like bondage to the world. Jesus loses everything, gives everything he has until he's got nothing left to give and then gives his last breath and his life so that he can then give us his spirit. And there's never been, you know, nowhere does Jesus pull any punches or or John and John's gospel to know that the, the goal is for your faith to be strengthened. One, if you've never had faith in Jesus, to surrender yourself, to to receive the gift of salvation that is offered. No matter what you've done, no matter what, where you've rejected. But then also, we have to admit, as we just said, as followers of Christ, there's moments we become reluctant and we doubt and we question, just like Mary and Martha and we looked at last week. And Jesus gives it everything up even his last breath, to give us his spirit so that your faith will be strengthened and you can learn to trust. So maybe today there's some place, some next step, some prompting, some voice where you've been reluctant to step out and follow, some piece of your life that you've wanted to keep control over that you don't want to release. May your faith in the one who changed the world, who died to offer salvation to all, may your faith in God through Jesus Christ be strengthened so you can surrender maybe that area, maybe that struggle, maybe that way you've stayed in control, or maybe be willing to step out Do what it is that he said do, even if it costs what he... He doesn't say much about doing, but it's become so comfortable. I just invite the Holy Spirit to move among us that we can hear the voice and respond however we are led. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we praise you and thank you for the gift of your gospel, the good news that one would give his life to save the many. And that one is you. You died, gave up everything, and took the consequences of all our brokenness and struggles and trials and sins and bore the pain of them to offer us freedom. May we step into that truth in whatever ways that you lead us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.